Hello and welcome to Tales from the Innerverse, the podcast that explores the inner universe of the human experience. So this is episode 10 of Tales from the Innerverse. My guest today is Mr. Tim McKee. Tim is a guitarist, a surfer, a father, and a person I'm proud to call a close friend. Um, and we have a lot to talk about, I'm sure. And I just want to get started with, did I get that right? Was there something I left out about you? No. <laughs> awesome. You nailed it. Um, the main focus of this is to expand the idea of this hermetic principle, which is as above, so below, and as within, so without. So just to sort of kick things off, what song has touched you inside the deepest in like the last week or so? What song? <laughs> I don't know, that's like top five, but answer right now. Um, I, I don't know. What do you remember feeling the most about any song recently? I just heard Stevie Wonder, I Wish, while out and about last night. And that's always been amazing for me. Yeah. Um, Gregory Allen Isakov, love it. Um, yeah, mopey, heart wrenching stuff is what mopey. I, oh yeah, gotta gotta be mopey. I love it. Dark. Okay. How about um, green sky, blue grass, living over? That's mm. a, a good dark one. So what is it about that that like impacted your insides? What like why are those the choices? That song hits me because to me it's about I guess our impermanence here, our legacy. What are we doing? Do we just screw it all up anyway and like it's worthless? Or is it like, you know, how do I you know, like, it's, it's almost to me, it's like, a, it almost sounds like a eulogy to me, which is another good song. So it's back. about the transitory nature of life? Yeah, I think it's darker and more literal, but yeah, stuff, you know, it's nothing to write an essay about right now. Top of my head song. Uh, yes, those are the ones. <laughs> yeah, I did kind of put you on the spot there. That's good. Um, yeah, there's a lot. I mean, imagery from Gregory Allen Isakov gets to me because it's timeless. Tom Waits stuff, same thing. It's a timeless uh, song where it's not like, hey, I liked your TikTok video. It's, you know, it's, you know, it could be written 150 years ago without electricity or something. Like, just like the imagery is completely timeless, but the, the themes are still very relatable. Is there a fountain in the background? I have a fan on, is it gonna kill you? It's really low, I'll turn it off. Yeah, it's kind of distracting from the audio. It's a, it's a swamp cooler, I'm gonna turn it off. <laughs> I don't want you sweating to death, but yeah. Okay. Next question. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm making up, I'm setting up my headphones too, so. 
Yeah. So what the, about you? What, what about your song? Tell me your song. Oh. Be quick about it. Come on. There were two. <laughs> um, there's this one from Prince on Artificial Age that's called Go Back Home. And it's about this sort of, long, it's like this longing. It's also got a melancholy feel to it, incidentally, of like finding your way back home and finding what are your way back to who you really are is kind of the, the metaphor of the song. Um, and that's the most potent, I think, worth, yeah. worth talking about in this. And uh, yeah, there, like his, the way he performed music, there seemed like there was nothing between him and the outer expression of his inner world. And as a guitarist, one of the things that I've always looked for in my life was to take the note I hear inside myself in the moment and get it through my fingers without getting in the way. Does that feel like the most sublime sort of way to relate to expression on the guitar for you? Or how else would you relate to that like process? Yeah, I've always referred to it as tapping in. Like, you know, it's our job to get out of our way enough to like tap in and there's different ways to tap into the source, right? And like this image of it coming through you like I have this image of it coming through my feet from the ground and then it's like timeless where the minute I think something, it comes out and that's the ultimate goal, you know, but if you're thinking about this or this thought comes in or, you know, it's in an ensemble situation and what else is like factoring into this, but you can still get to that point where everybody's at the same time and it's instant. So like instant presence, I guess. Instant presence. I love that tapped in tap the source tune in tap in yeah yeah <laughs> drop out drop in what <laughs> yeah we can leave that old shit behind <laughs> it's new world now it's 2020 <sighs> um we left something out you're also a guitar teacher aren't you I do teach guitar. Um, I have for many years. I, I feel like that's my calling, like, and my lessons are more, it's definitely, and I, I guess I, I am, am kind of giving people the tools to on their own tap in and pull music out and create and like basically teaching the language so they can go speak it. And I've had students, for many years where the it, the lesson becomes more of like life and how to like, how do you put life into what you're playing and how do you, you know, like, so it's almost like mentorship and life lessons and, you know, and jazz theory and headaches and all that stuff too. But it's, um, well, that's an interesting thing. Like there's the intellectual framework that like you have to pass through the crucible of that and integrate it and get it into your body in order to be free of it in order to I, then create like from the divine or from that place that you call tapping in. So how do you teach that when you teach it to your students? Well, and, that, and that's the thing is it can be at any level. It doesn't have to be like, cool. When you get to this level, you can finally drive the car. It's like, no, no, like, like, cool. Here's two notes. Like think about this and play these two notes. Like, you know, 
oh, let me show you how to play them so you have proper technique, but then like, what do you want to say with those two notes and how can you do it? Like, that's up to you. Like, you know, I'm teaching bass right now also and ukulele, but with bass students, it might be, all right, hit the root on the one of the bar and how you get from point A to point B, as long as you come back to that root on the one in the bar, you're doing your job, but then I want to hear your magic. I want to hear what you have to say in between. So find the pocket, find the groove, lock into the tempo, lock into the drums. And, but then create, and it could be a beginning student where here's the two or three notes I know, a root, a fifth and an octave. Well, how do you want to play some rhythmically and hold notes and let suffering out or put some gush on it, you know? Like that's up to you. Like What's gush? You know, your, your special sauce, your, you know, magic. So we all have this inner voice that comes through, right? Like that's why cover songs are so amazing because every artist interprets the music their own way, right? So you're not just tapping into source, but then you're also tapping into your own voice, right? Right. But how much of that is the collective unconscious anyway, right? Ooh. I mean, we've been on stage together. Like when you're like in the zone, like the crowd is with you, like the same time, like, what if you're playing, like sometimes I'll be on stage doing all these years of improv music and and my solo or whatever, like whatever improv exploration we're doing, it's I'm feeding off of what's happening in that moment in the space. And if that space is shared with all these other people, what's to say that the consciousness isn't the same, even if we don't know what it is, it's all inside, right? Or, you know, or am I leading it or am I following it? Like that's that's the trick, right? Like. I always consider myself following and listening to it and chasing it versus come on, let's go like pulling the horse, you know, the stubborn yeah, yeah. with the rope or whatever. And, you know, I don't know. It's like a paradox because I think in truth, we're both leading and responding in the same moment. Like every note's kind of an invitation to the next note. Yeah. Yeah. Invitation. You got to invite the invite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that one. So and it it translates to life too. It's not just music. Like for the non-musicians out there, it's like knowing what you want in your life is related to being able to tap into source and know what and and that inner voice to to speak to what you want. And everyone's going through a whole transition right now where this is like this is being recorded pre pre election 2020 at, at, you know, during the height of the American experience of COVID-19. So everybody's stuff is up for them right now. Would it? Yeah. It makes you think about like what we hold on to, like Buddhist Zen stuff, like attachment, right? Like to get to that spot of sharing music and tapping into it, like, how much can we strip away to be out of the way? Like, and then what are we holding on to from the surroundings? Like if we're, you know, if I'm gonna hold on to the negative battles and the chatter that are out there, like how does that affect what I'm saying? Or maybe that's perfectly what's happening and that's what has to be, you know, expressed. So I don't know. Each voice is kind of, like we speak with different emotions and musically it's like we speak with anger 
or we speak with something that's sublime and sensuous. And that's what's so great about music is that we can feel that the nature of the expression in it, the complex emotional range that humans are capable of. And it, it sometimes it's a reflective of their environment, right? Like um, we both love reggae. And one of the sort of foundational things about reggae is it's forged in this atmosphere of suffering. And so there's a lot of pain in it. There's a, you know, there's, but it's this celebration of life in the context of this, this sort of painful experience. I always, I always took it as Africa, right? Like pain and suffering, the, the wailing, weeping and wailing, like crying, but then release and getting it out. And it gets to a point where the release sounds joyful, but it's the release. It's actually like you're wailing. It's the, you know, it's the gospel singer, it's the African drums, you know, it's, it's the release, but it's, yeah, like it's, it's the lyrical content of oppression in reggae. And um, yeah, or, or maybe their, their goal is to spread the word of their oppression for change, or it's to just wail, to be weeping about it, you know? But yeah, it's definitely like, to us it becomes that celebration because it feels good. The release feels good. It feels good to our reggae artists that we grew up like loving and worshiping and, and you know, to release it. And then that's transferred to us as a listener. So yeah, we, it, it unlocks us from our daily struggle and we're, we're taken out of that into this sublime moment, this moment of, I wouldn't say escapism, but like transformation. Right, it yeah. changes the, the, the quality of, of the vibe. It's transcendence. Yeah, right, right? And, lift, and so. To, to lift above, to rise above, but also, I mean, like, it's not, it's not detaching from it, it's using it, it's being with it. It's not, it's being in it and completely with it to have that proper transcendent moment. But it's, it's, not, it's not denial, it's not like, oh, let's just, let's just party and play some music, you know? It's, Let's shake it out, right? Because that's all felt. Anytime that there's escapism or avoidance or that it shows up in the field, like the audience and the musicians can feel that. Inauthenticity. Yeah. 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 And it's a challenge to to really be revealed in in culture. Like there's a lot of, well, what's it gonna look like? Well, who, what am I gonna look like? What's it gonna mean about me if I allow this through? Are we talking about shame and vulnerability right now? <laughs> yeah, we are, but but more like in the authenticity spectrum. No, absolutely. It's not shame and vulnerability until you like second guess it and feel bad about it. Well, and that's the the relating is like that. It's like such a beautiful thing lately. It's been this resurgence of connectivity through sharing our stories, sharing our vulnerabilities, because we realize that we're not alone as much as we're alone in a pandemic world, but um, we're not alone in these feelings because somebody else might relate exactly or very similarly. And so, yeah, it's like, it's our job to share and our vulnerability, like share your gifts, right? Mm -hmm. And if your gift is knowing how to tap into being vulnerable, 
and authentic with yourself and brave enough to share and be fearless, to stand fearlessly in your truth, right? As they say. Yeah, it's as musicians and as, you know, just people in, in, a, in a place and time and a moment, whenever you open the door to that emotional content, you give everybody else that's present the permission to get into theirs and to access theirs. And for a lot of people, they're really stuck and they don't have access to it as a, an easy verbal practice. But when they receive a musical expression, that gives them the access they need, right? They, there's like a door that opens. I love that, the permission. You're, you know, what's your passcode? <laughs> your permission you're, you're you've as a musician you've invited the invite like hey you know i'm putting this out me. i'm putting this out and uh you're welcome to put it out too whether you're in the crowd releasing and dancing and sweating or you know crying like i loved how carlos santana says he'll look out in the crowd and he can make he'll see like people laughing with joy and then the next person over in the crowd is totally crying and all from what he's doing and providing for them. And it's like, that's him tapping in to that experience, but then he's also receiving from that also. And it's also reciprocal and it's coming back out through like, so to simultaneously do that and get, provoke a, a response from somebody else or from ourselves is, I guess, I don't know, is that the ultimate goal, you know? I think it's to be present to the possibility because I think the soon as you start grasping at it, it falls apart. Yeah. So it's like, again, it's like this willingness to stand and be totally transparent and, and evoke and invite. And if you're, if you're going for the result, if you're trying to control the outcome, then it tends to fall apart because you're, you're actually shutting down the available space and there's so much more that's possible than what we imagine or what we want to happen. And the gift for me is the, the surprise I get from when I open up like that and the thing happens that was beyond my expectation or beyond my intention. And that's sort yeah. of, that's like the magic for me. It's like the monkey mind, right? Like the it's like visceral versus intellectual. Like the minute we start thinking about it or putting like our limited language on it, then you know, it puts it in a box or whatever, but you know, that's, I always joke like, you know, leave that for the scientists, like, you know, music theory, you know, like, I don't know what I'm playing right now. I'm making music that sounds good to me. And like, let the scientists figure it out after, or let my scientists as a theorist figure out afterwards and like put a label on it later. Like, I don't know, this chord could be a sus 11 or it could be something else. It could be, I'm gonna call it a nine chord. I'm gonna call, you know, it's, it could be different things like, I just, depending on what you call it, I guess, I don't know. Well, there's a kind of a relativism to music theory, which is depending on what you're, where you're coming from, right? And without, you know, having this conversation get too deep into music theory, I think that's another way that music reflects life. Depending on how you're positioned when you see or receive or take in something, that has a an effect on on how you integrate it and how it arises to you or how it arrives and how it lands with you like perspective as a yeah. listener yeah and that's the greatest thing about like as you play music you're listening so what's your perspective as a listener while you're playing that's like 
crazy oxymoron, right? Or conundrum. Well, and it, it takes like, you, <laughs> it takes you into that limbic state where, because to listen and play at the same time requires a kind of letting go, right? You have to just be in flow, right? You have to be totally responsive, um, kind of like surfing, right? Like, are they related? Isn't everything related? Yeah. <laughs> um, surfing. Surfing, to me, I always joke, surfing is like forced presence. Mm. You know, if you're like attached to an outcome, you're going to end up on your ass, right? But if you, I mean, we all have our skill set and we all improve or whatever as we go and you have your athleticism to like survive it. <clears throat> but ultimately you're presented with a choice, a wave choice. And in most cases, it's not going to break exactly the same every time. So you might be able to get up on a wave and do your thing. And, or you might play to the wave and what is, what is presented to me that I could do? And like, what does the wave want right now? And that's like, you're forced to be in that moment. And if you try to like, I'm gonna work on my tricks, I'm gonna work on this uh, one move right now. And, but then the wave's not, in that vibe, you can end up on your ass. So it's just um, forced presence is what I think about when I'm sitting on a board out there. Like, you know, you know, you're free to choose. You're free to like, you know, do your thing. But ultimately, you're you're given the gift of the now instantly, and there's mm -hmm. everything else sheds away. And if you don't pay attention, you know, what's the old Irish thing? You know, the sailor like. Don't ever turn your back on the ocean. <laughs> Whatever that is, like, never turn your back on her. <laughs> is your experience of that inner moment when you're riding the wave and when you're in the in the groove, so to speak, is that does it feel the same? Is it the same inner quality when you're experiencing those two things? Um, I would. Does it feel the same? I would say, yeah, if you use those words, it definitely feels the same. It's totally different things. Actually, um, I just remembered um, one of my favorite people, Jason Robinson, sax player I went to school with back in the day and in college and total unassuming, like we surfed together. And he and his buddy, like they would drop in on the most insane skull crushing waves and just laugh about it. And so I learned more. I, I used to say to him and to like, as a student of music, that I learned more about music surfing with this saxophone, like master musician, because I, I was able to like learn about fear, what's possible to dive in and like take it anyway. And he was like free improv musician, but also a really accomplished composer and um, is. And then, um, He's still alive. And so, um, but that, that's what I took away from all that. I was like, man, I've learned more about music from surfing with these fearless, like nut bags, like just dropping in on like the most ridiculous, like you're dropping on a wave that's just gonna break and like close out and just, you're getting crushed. And <laughs> it's inevitable, but you're gonna go anyway and like just come up with sand everywhere in your suit, just laughing. It's like, okay. Let's go. Come on, your turn. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we have this experience of, of fear and then fearlessness. And the relationship between that and our joy is, is pretty consistent. Like that moment where you decide to drop in, as you say, and enter the space of fearlessness. That's where all the juice is. Yeah. 
whether it's, you know, getting up on stage or, you know, asking that woman out for a date or, you know, all the various ways that we have to get over ourselves, get over what our mind is telling us might be dangerous. What if we could apply that fearlessness to everything in our lives? What if? I don't know. Well, we can. No, it's just I know I it's a practice. <laughs> well, you could you do better in some and better in others, right? And yeah. Oh. Yeah. Fearlessness. Unabashedly. Recklessness. Uh all those things, right? Are they the same? The fool card. <laughs> Like he's walking, he's, he's, da, 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 he's yeah. walking along and his foot's yeah. right over that cliff, right? Like yeah, we have no true. idea, but he's got his dog with him and he's, he's you know, he's Carefree. traveling light. Yeah, I see it in my mind, absolutely. Yeah, the but he's not the, the emperor. Brink. He's not ruling the, like the whole thing and taking care of tons of people. It's a very sort of isolated place in some ways. It's like, I think like the analogy also comes to my mind is like the seed cracking and like pushing through the dirt. Mm. Like what, what needs to happen for it to, to open, to crack, to, to get it going. And how do you feed that? But then how do you just let it do its design? Like it's already designed to do its thing. And like, what are we designed to do? And like, are we watering it enough? Are we, is it gonna crack open and happen? Are we waiting? Do we never water it? Do we not germinate it properly? Like, you know, who knows? Like, I just, I think about all that, like, it's, it's the same music and surfing and everything, right? So what are some of the things that you do, like, to keep yourself watered and to keep yourself fearless? I feel like it's constant. Like, well, I mean, obviously, like, the self-care revol revolution right now, we're having a self-care revolution. Um, definitely up leveling the self-care by necessity right everyone's um, got to figure this out i personally i have to move i have to get outside i have to sweat a little i have to like hike exercise surf you know i have to be quiet i have to be alone um i have to clear my space and have like serenity just to recharge but i also have to balance out riding that like chaos in the moment. Like I'm a parent, you know, my girls are, you know, teens pretty much. And it's never boring. It's never the same. It's never easy, but I guess my challenge to keep it fed, to keep it watered is to, to remain nimble and patient and practice that daily. Like, okay, this is what's happening now. You know, my friend, my friend Ratso says, uh, what does he say? It's like, um, sometimes we have to do things we don't want to. <laughs> and it's like, I always tell my kids that they're like, oh, dad. But, uh, but it is what it is. Like, here we are. Here's what's happening right now. How are we going to deal with it? Here's the wave coming. How are we going to deal with it? Oh, shit. This is bigger, bigger surf than I was anticipating. And I'm out here. And there's a set coming and it's going to break out way further out. How am I going to manage this? How am I going to manage these children's freak out right now and make dinner and, you know, keep the place in order, like whatever. Like, so I guess the long answer is 
just like self-care, just like the, the balance of feeding. Oh yeah. What do they say? You know, fill your cup. You got to fill your cup before this can be, you know, and it's true. It's like, and I'll tell you, like, I'll, I'm so trained at napping. Like <laughs> I'd be like, don't talk to me for 20 minutes. I'll lay down and nap for 20 minutes, like legit, like hard sleep, wake up and then boom, dinner, soccer practice, whatever, school, and then, all right, bedtime and without incident, like, okay. But it's just, it's training, nimble. <laughs> like I'm freaking out, I need to chill out right now. Like, you know, I'm going away. I'm gonna go play guitar for 20 minutes, like anything. Is that easier now that they're teenagers? Uh, less about them when you're gone for 20 minutes there's definitely more independence and there's you know i mean i'll you know we're doing homeschool right now it's like sweet you guys are all set i just made you lunch i'm out i'm gonna go hike i'll be back in an hour and a half and i've been doing that or it's like cool and i'll come back and um i got my piece and i love that i got my piece p-i-e-c-e or p-e-a-c-e it's the same you know piece of piece right um but and then but then that's felt by them and then they have more calm and you know confidence and security and all that but yeah does it is it easier no man it's like some things are tenfold some things are easier i don't have to like i'm not stepping on legos anymore <laughs> but you know but it's like the attitude and the, the smolder and the looks, it's, you know, it's good. It's like, it's a different, it's a different thing. Yeah. But you know, I was trained for this. I feel like I'm an Olympian now. I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> I mean, you've been in it, like when we were in bands, man, like, all right, work all day, grind it out, like kid check in, come to band practice, go home, get up early, kid grind, work grind, like, you know, it's just, it's almost like how, like, how do we keep going? Like, how am I still grinding in a good way? It fuels itself on a certain level. Like once you actually get connected to that natural rhythm, right? It fuels itself. You get momentum from it, even though on, from an external point of view, it might look like a trial or a lot of work or whatever. Internally, to me, my experience of it is, you know, like, we would do these epic shows, right? Where we would play at this bar called Perry's and it was like 9.30 to 1.30 in the morning. So that's four and a half hours of music, five hours of music. Yeah. Right? One short break, we, we, we'd only get one break, yeah. So there's this thing where I would be more hyped during the last set because the, the juice had kicked in, like that runner's high or whatever you want to yeah, call it. Euphoria, yeah. Right? And even if I'd been up at typically, which is one of the things that was happening is that, uh, you know, I'd have to be at work at 6 a.m. at the archive and then come home, change clothes, get the gear, get to sound check, get set up, grab a quick dinner. Like, and next thing I know, it's 3 a.m. Yeah. Right. That's 21 hours straight. But there's. Safely, yeah. yeah, well, I don't I wasn't yeah. much of a drinker, thankfully, but that juice that comes from in being in the moment in the richness of your life it, you know it feeds us yeah yeah life force energy yeah hey can i touch Rise on gratitude to the task. 
I'll sure. some gratitude for a second, just because you kind of, you touched on it, but like, we can look at these trials as parenting or the balance or, you know, self-care or cracking the seat open as like a burden. And I think people are wired to do so or not, but, or we can train ourselves in practice to be like, like I got hip to this a long time ago. Um, Avril Lavigne's guitar player, Evan Taubenfeld, had a tattoo on his hand that said, I get to dot, dot, dot. And I was like, what is that? And he's like, well, it's a reminder. So whenever I like look at my watch or whatever, like, you know, oh, I have to go so-and-so, I have to do this. Like, oh, no, 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 I, I get to. I get to navigate the uh, ever-changing dynamics of parenthood. I get, I get to, you know, be on stage with sleep deprived and like, you know, pulling us through and entertaining people. I get to, you know, drop for a 20 minute meditation to tap in or play guitar or whatever. It's like, I have to go teach guitar. It's like, no man, I get to, this is amazing. These are all blessings, right? So the attitude of gratitude, I joke with my kids, like you need a gratitude adjustment. <laughs> and it's true. It's like, but then that, but that opens up um, opportunity and channeling and stuff to come into you because you're humbled and grateful to receive. And I think, I know I'm challenged to receive, like I have a hard time receiving help, receiving gifts. And that's my work right now. And, but gratitude and the practice of it every day with every little thing, like you hit me up today about this, like, wait, what? Like, what am I doing today? Like, you know, like, cool, this is great. Like I get to hang with my friend I haven't seen forever. Good to see you virtually. And, um, but, but I get to think about these things and talk about them, try to put words on process or something, you know, it's, it's good. So anyway, you kind of touched on it and I wanted to just say, use the word gratitude because I think that's really important that, that especially now with, with our world and with um, like, we can be, beat down and burdened by all the negativity and the divide, or it can be like, no, hold on. Like, this is what we have. We have all this together and we are this closely together and interwoven and we might see things differently, but that doesn't make us like some complete polar, like, I hate you. It's like, no, like, like, let's figure this out. Like, and that's not dismissing and that's not minimizing and it's not tolerating or accepting a belief that's not yours or a truth that's not yours. And without getting political, it's like, yeah, like I feel strongly about Black Lives Matter. It's a movement. It's not, they're not riots. They're demonstrations, they're protests, they're acts of solidarity. Like, look, we are, this, this, this is how many of us are in this belief. And this is how many of us are, have this political belief about the importance of this election. And so it's solidarity and that sort of thing. It's not, I get to, I get to have these conversations. I get, we, we get to change and see, you know, reform in the police department in LA because directly because of Black Lives Matter protests and awareness to like the racism and, you know, ridiculous non-oversight, you know, it's like, so that's, these are benefits. These are things to be grateful for, I guess. I don't know. Well, and there's this moment where either the waves coming and it's bigger than you thought, or there's this social scenario that's unfolding that is 
has a lot of potent energy behind it. And we get this jolt of concern that can turn into fear. And what's the key to actually transform that into I get to and the gratitude? It's the breath. Like it's not dollars. It's not, there's nothing like it's really simple. And people forget that the legacy of just taking a deep breath. And we talk about this all the time. Like if someone's angry and we're like, come on, man, take a deep breath, calm down. Right. But the, the actual physiology of it is amazing. Right. And yoga and meditation and all of these things, it's the prana, the breath. So in that moment, when, the waves coming or you're dealing with the social ramifications of the importance of anti-racism and what we have to do. If we clench up and hold our breath in fear, then we're going to get wiped out. Yeah. It's rigidity. Yeah. Right. We have to breathe in and then we're, we're fluid and flexible. And that's when gratitude can enter into the picture because there were that moment of spaciousness that's created by tapping in. And that's literally what tapping in is. You're breathing in. And then, and a horn player knows this because that's how they express through, right? And you and I have talked about how when you play guitar, there's something innately cool about melody that's informed by breath. And with, as a guitar player, you don't actually have to. So you can really add to you the way music sounds when it comes out of your fingers, if you synchronize it with your breath, if you can tap into your breath in the way that you express music and like holding your breath with fear, taking a deep breath when your kids like destroying the living room. Like there's just so many opportunities for us to get to practice this. Yeah. Coming back into the body. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, like I, when you first mentioned that, I thought of like, when something comes up, it's like, okay, like conflicts or whatever, a fight. And you're like, oh, hold on, hold on. Let's before we react and get to do like rigidly, like push, let's come back into our bodies for a second. Like, you know, but, but yeah, that's, um, it's like COVID shut our music industry down. I'm without work. Um, it's uncertain, it's stressful but I can look at it with gratitude, like, cool. Like I was gifted this time to address other things. I was blessed with, um, I guess, yeah, the time and energy to rewrite and reinvent things and visualize and manifest how they're supposed to look, you know? So it's like, or I could be all, ah, what am I gonna do? I have to wait for the music industry to come back or like, you know, I don't have a job and, you know, but somehow it's always provided for, like it's working, like it's, we're gonna make it. And, um, but I think gratitude is key because, you know, my blessings for my, you know, my lessons, my experience, when you get pummeled by that wave from the big set, you know, it's like, cool, we'll do that again. (laughs) Pain, Pain is the best teacher. Um, so like, you know what I mean? Like, that gratitude opens up things, I think, for for letting in. But well, and I think it's really important since we've actually had this come up in the conversation to just recognize that right now I'm sitting on Miwok land, ancestral land, and I'm uh, a white male, and so I have all this privilege to talk about this idea of gratitude and sort of this 
the inner spiritual workings, right? And one of the real live contexts of Black Lives Matter is the amount of space that can be created to create the kind of gratitude that we're talking about. There isn't a lot of privilege for that. The, the level of intensity and suffering and oppression that happens in communities of color is difficult at a level that you and I don't have difficulty. Now, there's still meditation, there's still breath, but I'm just gonna ask you, like this year, how many times have you gone surfing with a person of color? How many times have you seen a person of color on a surfboard? Uh, not too often, but they're out there for sure. You know, and there's a great page I've been following called Black Girls Surf. And it's celebrating around the world um, girls surfing, which is a huge issue anyway, um, and beautiful. I see a lot of girls out there, women. Um, and then, but yeah, like it's it's the thing, you know, like LA right now, they're dealing with, they're renaming a beach. And um, I forget the story offhand, but it's like, yeah, it's like, it's an issue with like, you know, it was in honor of a civil rights, you know, warrior and the black girls surf community went out there and like, oh no, we're going to keep this name. Or like, you know, like, let's make sure that this legacy continues, you know, at the speech. But I am. Um, well, and yeah. George Floyd said, I can't breathe. Yeah. Right. Which is again, a sort of another archetypal symbol of what we're talking about. Like, and there was that film like uh, waiting to exhale, which was about the experience of uh, a woman of color and her romantic life. And that was pretty privileged romantic life for those characters, but it's still the same idea of how do I create openness within myself so I can stay in gratitude and relaxed and open for the next moment, right? And it's not fixed. Breath is always in transition. So it's like I'm expanding and then I'm contracting, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, I'm so grateful that I don't have to think about it. Like the fact that my body does it without me thinking about it. And then let the next level up is when I do put my attention on it and I have skillful means for that. Like I've been taught breathing techniques by my meditation teachers. And the benefit of that is amazing to have that knowledge, to be able to really navigate tuning up our nervous system and having attunement. You said gratitude. One of the forerunners of this is this guy, Joe Dispenza. Love him, and Doc, Dr. He, Joe. He talks about how energetically, when we have emotions that are based in gratitude, we create more potential energy for the things that we want to come into our lives. And when we sever our ties with past regrets and past resentments or future anxieties about what might happen or what could happen, this spaciousness opens up for the deeper thing to come through. And the key to that whole thing is breath and gratitude to be able to create that moment of stillness and space and then turn our attention toward gratitude. So how do we do that? How do you do that in the moment of stress? Like, what do you have a reminder? Is his, I don't have a tattoo. Funny. I had a. Uh, <laughs> you should you should get one. Um, <laughs> the um, my last job was a commute, and uh, I always I never wanted a commute, but I 
was blessed and grateful for the think time. And so I drove so many times like with no radio, no music, no podcast, no radio, whatever. And I would just think about things. But at one point I thought, man, it feels like I haven't take I haven't taken a breath in forever. Like I'm I've been holding my breath for this long, shallow breathing, um, mind always going. And so I was like, you know, always going like 50, 60 hour work weeks. Um, it's been, it was a lot. And I was sitting with a friend of mine and I was tripping out, like breathing was so slow, like into the body, slow breath, slow out. And I was all, <sighs> you know, like all these shallow breaths at once. And then, you know, with, for this one long breathing cycle and I tried to do it a couple of times, like I couldn't even breathe that long. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, so it's definitely been more on my mind, but I think exercise forces that I think, cause you know, you put your body into a stress situation and it has to like, as you get in shape, like you're breathing more calmly. Um, we're wearing masks on hiking trails. Right. So I've been, Sometimes if it's crowded, I just leave my mask on and it makes me breathe slower through the nose and nose breathing apparently goes all the way deep down and below your diaphragm versus your survival breath of your mouth, like shallow breathing in your mouth. So that was like interesting to, to realize recently, which is funny. Um, but I would walk do these walking hike meditations and I had my mask on. So I was breathing slow, huffing mountains, hills, like, you know, 1200 feet elevation, like butt burners, but like with the mask on, breathing slow through my nose and fine. It was weird, like just to kind of- Self-regulating. Yeah, but that was the exercise and just trying to like pay attention to that. But yeah, I mean, for the most part in our stressful lives, like I, f I forget my breath all the time. You know, like I feel like that's, uh, so like I would write lyrics driving and so the lyrics that came when I was doing that commute was like, I realized how, like I've been holding my breath for a long time. And like, I just want to like, let it out and like, like that release. So interesting. Yeah, the science of it is that the vagus nerve system, it's connected to the amygdala, but it's also connected to all the organs in the um, frontal part of the body. So the heart, the lungs, the stomach, the liver, and then also in the, a little bit in the back and the kidneys. And so when we get that triggered fight or flight response, all the blood flow is then stopped to those organs so that we have more available for, you know, whatever fight or flight we have to perform. Most of us in this life right now don't necessarily have that need. So the way to self-regulate is the nose breathing. And when you do that, it actually impacts the vagus nerve and it begins to reestablish the flow of blood to all those interior organs. So your inner verse gets more um, blood flow, more oxygen, and that gives you access again. Eventually it takes a few minutes sometimes, but you, then you get your cerebral cortex back. You get your reasoning capacity back and that's it. Like, um, it's magic. It's, you know, you put your tongue on the roof of your mouth behind your teeth, close your mouth, but don't clench your jaw yeah. and just breathe. Let it breathe through your tummy. That's and funny. I've been, I've been meditating my whole life. And like that, I learned early on too, like that pressure point. 
remove your mouth and like the and different breathing styles from Tai Chi and stuff, but yeah. Like the slower release, the slower exhale. Um, interesting. Innerverse. I, you know, your word, I love it. The innerverse. It makes me think about lamp lighters. Like what, like, our, if we each have our flame inside, right? Like, it's our job as a lamp lighter to keep the flame lit, right? And keep our innerverse, like, fueled and charged it's like the the steam engine or the coal you know train the coal fire you know like keep that thing stoked and fed and how do we feed it but that's interesting like that's that's what i think about when i when i hear innerverse it's like i i, I see these little lamplighter guys like you know yeah <laughs> keeping uh keeping the flames lit tending to the flame for me it's a reflection of the quantum vastness of the external, you know, galaxy universe. And it came to me from something my father told me because I was focusing outwardly a lot, like trying to figure this out, like this world and, you know, what spiritual tools do I need and what disciplines do I have to have to, to really move through and become the best man I can be. And, and he's like, look, not, it's not out there you are a microcosm of the macrocosm. And if you turn your vision inward and start to pay attention to what you observe about your own behavior and your own experience, you'll get all of that wisdom that you're looking for. Well, that, that, that tuning in connects you to the macroverse, right? Like the well, it harmonizes your relationship because in, again, instead of being out there, you're actually embodied like we talked about before. And when you're in that space, you become in balance and in harmony. But if your mind has you reaching out for some external solution, then you've forgotten where you are, who you are, and how to breathe probably. Definitely. It also makes me think of in Men in Black, the whole galaxy and that little tiny thing on the cat's collar. <laughs> it's like, that's an universe, man. <laughs> it's like a... Well, not, you know, back in the days many many decades ago when psychedelics were part of my life i had the experience of conceiving of the solar system and the galaxy as very much looking like molecules and atoms and i got this idea that this the vast spectrum of the unfolding of our structure mirrors that external view and internal view so the deeper you go internally you see more and more, you know, spaciousness. Like we've, we're starting to find out from the quantum physicists that this thing that's our solid body in these cells, there's actually like 85 to 90% of it is nothingness. The actual physicality of it is such a small between. percentage, right? And that's the Thelonious Monk used to say, the note is in between. Yeah, I was just gonna say, make the music analogy too. Like our job is to like, find the space in between, you know, yeah. matter. What matters, matter, matter matters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, that's, that's one of the great things about art is the reminder it gives us to that uh, our own humanity and, and how to stay connected to that. Yeah. Like finding, like I said, for, for me, find my way back home was the Prince song that meant the most to me.
because yeah. I find my way back to myself when I when I listen to that song. Yeah, interesting. So, what are we going to talk about on this podcast? What's it about? Do we have a subject today? <laughs> do you have an outline? Did you want to ask me anything in particular? Well, I do actually. I want to ask you. <laughs> about this book, Your Word is Your Want by Florence Shovel Shin. Uh, your word is your wand, like your magic wand. wand. Ah, I wrote it yeah. down wrong. I'm so glad I asked. It's Florence Scovel Shin. Um, and then the other book, I forget all of them, but The Game of Life and How to Play It. They are, it was, they're written in the thirties, short books. Um, the New Thought Era, they called it, they referred to it as, so it's kind of controversial. And I think that the way she bridged it was she would start with like a Bible verse or a one-liner from the Bible and say, well, actually, you know, the divine is within. So if God is us and the God is you, um, what this really means is this, you know, instead of, you know, okay, what's the um, be still and know? that I'm here or whatever, like, what's that one? You know, it's like, oh, what if the I is not God? It's, it's me. Be still and know that like, I'm, we're all here. We're like the divine is within us. Right. So it's, that talks about like how to be in aligned with that and make space for the divine so that things can come through and you can manifest and imagine. And I got hip to this, idea as a kid I snagged a book off my um, my stepmom's like bookshelf and it was basically about that but the line that stuck with me in that was imagination creates reality and then I found Florence Gubble Shin my sister gave me that book and it's a book of three and um, and then Tasha Silver it's like her biggest influence and she talks about a lot of stuff too but like has it in such a more modern way approachable way that's not abstract stories or random kind of like loose ideas, but like, yeah, what do you want to create? What do you want? How do you see it? And I taught my kids this, like, you know, put it on the list. Like, what, what do we need? Put it on the list. You know, we need, you know, stuff that, you know, we need a new house with an extra bedroom in it. Okay, cool. Let's get that. You know, and don't let things be in the way, but just visualize it. What does it look like? And what uh, what does it feel like when you walk in? Where's the furniture? What's the lighting like in the afternoon? What's the, every little detail is what you have to envision. And that's like Joe Dispenza, like, you know, creating this, this idea and like manifesting, right? Like how to plant the seed, but to see it so clearly and to, to be it. What does it smell like? You know, it's like when you walk into your new house, what does it smell like? You know, does it smell like new carpet? Does it smell like burritos are cooking? Like, yeah, you know, like, you know, I, I just, all those little things I'll meditate about or I'll dream about. And, and then maybe I write that on the list too. And just the other day, my kid, uh, my younger one, she's like, dad, can I have a studio to make it into a woman cave? And I was like, nope. But, um, <laughs> But you could, but we're gonna get a, a, another place soon, and you'll have your own room instead of sharing a room with your sister. Can we get it within a few years before you know my older sister's out of the house? I'm like, yeah, it'll probably just be a year or two. Like we'll get we'll get it. And uh, 
can I have an in-ground pool in the back? I'm all, yeah, it's on the list, right? Like, let's, let's, let's refine the list. What's your room look like? You know? And so like, they're totally like in that mindset, like, okay, yeah, cool. Let's, let's redo it. You know, what is, what is my future work and time look like? Like, what is my, how do I live look like? Um, what, how are my choices and how does that feed that? Right? Like, mm. so anyway, Florence Gobbleshin, check it out. It's thought provoking. It's interesting, but Tasha Silver put it such a great way of like, like to clear your space, to shake things up and create like energy, right? This is all feng shui. It's like, um, it's everything. So like, I'm currently cleaning stuff out. Like what is it Marie Kondo? Like clean out like stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But the whole idea is to create space for the divine, you know, get the flow and the energy happening so you can invite that in. And I don't know, seems to work. You know, some synchronistic stuff happens or, you know, if you're, if you're awake to it, like to follow the signs and chase that alignment and to like, to do it, you know? Well, grounding that physical experience that you described of really vividly giving all of the five senses creates an embodied experience. And then when you anchor that to the sense of gratitude of actually feeling what it feels like in the moment to actually be in that situation, you create a kind of energetic link to it. And however long it takes you, you just keep practicing that visualization and that energetic linkage. And then when you meet obstacles, one of the things I teach my clients is if you meet a temporary setback or a thing that seems to be in the way of you, this step on the path towards that, what you do is you ask the question, well, how else can I get there? Which is a universal reset of this moment of, well, okay, but how else can I get there? So there's never this defeatism, this fear of, of failure. It's just a matter of persistence and devotion to what you're experiencing as this divine inspiration inside yourself. And it's taste and smell and feel and sight and what it sounds like there. Those are all really powerful anchors to the subconscious. And so when you get the subconscious in attunement to the desire that you have, it backs up the behaviors as a second nature, right? There's this, in, this moment where a decision comes up and the response that comes from the subconscious is in support of and in integration with, as opposed to resistance and fear, right? And to me, there's a lot of woo-woo practitioners talking about manifestation and magic. And there's an element of magical thinking in that that shows up as, well, if I'm, I'm, me I'm meditating and I'm, 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 I've got my, you know, affirmations and I've got, I've got my list and all the things you described, but there's still this piece about actually going ahead and doing what you need to do every day to create that. Cause the, the manifestation doesn't happen sitting on the couch, right? Or if, does it, or does it? Well, no, it, you have to be well, like causal. Yeah, I mean, you definitely have to put the work in, but like, how much of the work is like envisioning it anyway? Like, like, yeah. like Joe, Joe, Joe Dispenza, like about rewriting and rewiring your brain, right? Like, um, it makes you think about like how we speak, how do we speak on things? You know, oh, I'm so broke. 
I can't afford it. No, 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 no. How about change your thought to how do I have this much extra money at the end of the month? And it's like, it's weird. Just like changing the way we put words on things changes how things happen. Like when, when my wife and I split up, I moved out with nothing, but I had like this faith, like we're going to make it. We're fine. Like we're, we're good. And I paid off all this debt. I paid off all the stuff that I was stuck with. And like, I don't know how, like my job didn't change. My income didn't change, but it just, but I did wire. I did think about those things at that time. Like, you know, how do I, like, I'll look at my bank account. Like, how do I have this much extra money? I just paid rent. Like, this is crazy. Um, I think that's important that that mindset, that word, like you kind of touched on a little bit with like what you last said too, where it's like, you know, I don't know. It's sense, one but. thing to have the intention and to have the the framework to viscerally begin connected with that thing that you want and that's that's in your future. The next step is to take action towards it fearlessly, right? You have to be willing to drop into the wave to take the ride, right? You can't sit and look at the break all weekend and go, yeah, that would have been great. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like sometimes the action is, I don't know, it's just like, but it could be just the wording. It could be, um, I had an example and it, was, it wasn't working. Surfing, see? Um, <laughs> but the, uh, yeah, like as far as the action, it could be as much as like, like just getting the work done and doing it, like stepping into it. and or seeing it and believing it or, or behaving in a way like, you know, sorry, kids, we can't afford it becomes, yeah, it's fine. Let's do this. You know, we got money. You need that. We'll get the money back. You know, it's just, and I, I think that is also speaking on the action. Like how do you, you know, that's, that's still feeding the intent of like, no, like how am I going to live in the future? I'm going to have this much and so I can do this. It doesn't mean like spend frivolously and like, just be crazy. It just means like, you know, you can yeah, act. Because that's you, constriction. Anytime that you are like going, Oh God, I got to hold on to this. You've okay. stepped out of the natural flow of things. You're not, you're not in gratitude, right? You're in scarcity, but you can also act in abundance yeah. because you believe that, that, that solidly, like, I remember like, it's really important that my girls and I sit and have dinner together. And uh, a few years ago we were having dinner and, you know, we'll do like a gratitude prayer. Like, well, thank God, you know, like, and we're not religious, we're not churchy, but it's like, we're still like, you know, granting the divine, like the higher power. And like, you know, it's, it can be anything like, you know, one of my kids might do like the Catholic prayer and the other one like might just say, like chime in on some gratitude. Like I'm thankful for this. And at one point I said, thank you for abundance. And my younger daughter at the time, I think she was like seven. What's abundance, dad? And I just smiled and I spread my arms across the table and said, it's this, it's taco night. Like all the food on the table for taco making, right? And it's like, this is abundance. Like we're doing it, you know? And that's, you know, it reminds me of like of those times that we're in the band together, like, you know, Tommy, Tom O.C., Tommy C., Tommy O'Callaghan. Like he said, he said to me, he's all, man, success, is having a full fridge. And like, I've always held that dear to me. Like, 
having a fridge full of good food, growing our own food and like basically providing that stuff. And that's like, that's huge. But that to me is abundance. Like that's, you know, it's not a car, a, a garage full of cars and, you know, a 5,000 square foot house on a hill. Like it's like, <laughs> I don't know. No, it's the sensation in the body of being at a place of generosity right? Because you, you, you recognize that everything you have is enough. It's even enough to share. Yeah. And we, we all admire these stories that are, you know, some of them are biblical stories or stories uh, that are about, you know, belonging to a specific spiritual practice or whatever. But the root thing of the story is the travelers come, they're, they're sort of in trouble they got a broken tire or whatever it is. And the house, the farmhouse has X amount, like they got a roast pot of stew and they just add a couple of bowls and there's enough. Yeah. Right. And then it turns out later that the person on the road was like some kind of whiz kid who shows up one day and it's like super generous back, you know, but you don't do it for the reciprocity. Yeah. You do it because there's this recognition that in any moment, we can make available the resources that are right in front of us to meet all of the needs that are present. And if you can't, then you can make um, a plan or uh, take action to be able to make it happen shortly or as soon as possible. You know, are you trying that, to tell me where there's a will, there's a way? No, because it's less <laughs> will, because it, the will forces are, they identify with control true right and so it is willfulness to be willing like we we're talking about how do you shift the channel when it's time to be in gratitude you have to use your will forces for that mm -hmm. but you're not you're not causing gratitude to come into being it already exists you're just using will to attune to it this reminds me of a uh, carlos Santana told me once, uh, you have to be open to be willing and willing to be open. And, you know, like just this kind of flip around of like the wording, you know, like that he likes to do so much, like play with words or whatever, but like the willingness to be open and the openness to be willing, you know, it's, it's just, you know, I don't know. It, it reflects this idea of we choose each moment, right? We have a choice and you have to choose that path that he's describing. You have to decide, okay, I'm going to look at the face of a marriage breaking up and decide that my attitude is going to be a, a gratitude adjustment. And that shifts everything at the quantum level. Well, and yeah, it, it opened us up to receive for sure. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I have a lot of gratitude for the way that we've had a connection in our lives together. And I'm so glad that we reconnected today and for your willingness to be open <laughs> in this conversation. And um, I hope the people that hear this podcast get some um, value out of it. I know that I did. I had a really good time. It was fun. It was fun talking about nothing with you. Right? Just like old totally. times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're talking about nothing and everything. Yeah.
Cool. I'm gonna send Thanks you these again, songs. Tim. I'm gonna send you these songs with okay. my dark lyrics that I was telling you about in the early part. Figure that out. Spend okay, and I'll, I'll light my candle of fearlessness. Yes. And add some stuff to it. Later, let me show you my candle of fearlessness. Your inner fear. Face your inner fears. Wow, and you burn it. Set your creative. What's it Creativity fire? free. Creativity yeah, free. Wow. How's yep. that working for you? You know what? <laughs> it's working great. I have a lot of richness and um, pleasure in my life. And I also have enough of a cauldron of challenge and um, forge with which to temper the metal of my capacity to, to be a stronger person. So it's the right combination of freedom and um, accountability. Do you think that talking about this stuff is uncomfortable for people? Like I just, you know, I always, I always deflect and defend and even though I believe it and live it, it's like, oh, hippie mumbo jumbo, blah, blah, you know, like you, touched on that earlier too like all like you know like the the magic and the whatever but like is it do you think that we're coming to a spot with 2020 with pandemic with like isolation that we're embracing the discussion of the uncomfortable more and that the collective unconscious is actually shifting and that we're all okay or is that also dismissive <laughs> um What I think is that the collective unconscious was given a more, we were given an opportunity to be more reflective. And there are classes of people who get to spend time in their living rooms reflecting because they have just enough in the fridge and the lights are on and then there's classes of people who they ran out of rope and they're sitting in their living room wondering if today's the day the landlord shows up with the sheriff or not. And those are two really different experiences. And there's plenty of room for reflection in both of them, but a lot less comfort, right? Um, I think there's this thing that my when I was actually hanging out with hippies in the 70s, there was this term, I think Ram Dass coined it, I'm not certain, called a bliss ninny. Hmm. And that's someone who's tapped into the sense of abundance and tapped into this um, joyful fabric of the universe, which is infinite and always present. And they lost... <laughs> touch with the ground of experience. Um, one person might put it, they're all upper chakra and no lower chakra, right? And I think that's a very real danger in um, contacting 
these kinds of higher philosophical or higher consciousness ideas. Because if, if what you do to apply that is then to check out, then your capacity for growth and your capacity to be of service are impacted. True. So my own personal ethos is I want to be of service. It's the Bodhisattva vow. And having wealth and um, material abundance is worthless without the ability to use it for something that helps the common good. So when I start to think about enterprises that I want to do, I have full approval for making lots of money doing it, but that's because what we're going to do with that money is we're going to impact people. We're going to raise people up and empower people to have more of what they want, right? Because sitting in a big house isolated with a bunch of gilded stuff doesn't appeal to me. Right. And, and I think that's definitely related to the framework of my upbringing of not having enough and being fearful of things, you know, like there's definitely an appreciation for generosity that comes from having been the recipient of it when big things went down, you know, like there were times when my mom and dad were barely making it and, you know, we got three months relief from the landlord, et cetera, et cetera. So, and there've been times when, you know, when I was in my early twenties, I used to work at this restaurant and it was a brunch place. So I could have breakfast when I got there and lunch. But if I, you know, if I got paid on the first and I just managed to pay my rent and had enough for my utilities to give my roommate, that meant that it was going to be two weeks with no cash. And so the deli next door, they knew where I worked and they helped me. They let me open up um, a chit, a credit line. Right. And I wasn't the guy that then took that and went like, let's get a big plate and throw a big party. And right. I was like, all right, I'll get the the yesterday hoagie that's half priced and I'll eat it half of it tonight and half of it tomorrow for dinner. And, uh, you know, obviously hoagies weren't necessarily the best nutrition, but, you know, you get you when someone extends you that kind of grace it's a reminder of that abundance comes from action. You know, we're, we're people supporting each other. Well, it's funny. It's like the pay it forward thing. Like there's this image, there's a meditation that Tasha silver talks about, about abundance. And the image is so strong in my mind. Like it's basically to imagine like this waterfall, this golden waterfall coming in through the crown, like usually like meditation is like, Oh yeah, it's coming up from your feet or whatever, you know, like, so it's like this visual of this waterfall coming through the crown of your head and filling you up and having your aren't your hands out where the, basically this is all, it's just flowing through. Like it's still going to come so you can give away and it will still be replaced by this abundance that's flowing through if you're open to it, you know, and that's like the paying it forward and, but I mean, yeah, I hear you. How many years I spent eating beans and rice and, you know, frugal McDougal over here, you know, it's like. <laughs> well, there was some, yeah. you know, there must be a story where someone gifted you like, you know, a five pound bag of beans or something like, right? Oh man, when I moved with nothing, like I was humbled to tears for weeks with like, oh, hey, you know, family friends sent the kid over with the truck full of like, you know, here. And there's like stuff in the garage. Like here's 
a set of plates. I'm still eating on the same plates. I broke one the other day, a cookie sheet fell out of the cabinet, landed on a plate on the counter. And like, I was like, really? So I have six plates left and I have seven bowls and they're ugly. And I could buy plates any day. And, but it's like, I just, I don't need to, but like, yeah, like, you know, furniture and like stuff, you know, here's a microwave that works. Here's a toaster, like, like the littlest things. It was insane. And some stuff I ended up like, whoa, I, I'm good. I don't need that. And then I just paid it forward and give it to the next person. Like, you know, it's like th through actually through all this COVID, there's a lot of bartering. There's a lot more openness. Um, you know, it's like, you know, you put something. And so I've been like, and maybe that's part of the abundance. Maybe that's my, my tithing to the, uh, the collective bartering is like letting stuff go, you know, like, cool. I don't use that. Like give it away. Somebody lost their stuff in the fires. Let's give this away. Like it's time to hit goodwill, but do I hit goodwill where they're going to sell the stuff or can I donate all these like clothes I don't wear to fire victims who lost their homes in the last couple of months again? It's like, and that's, and that's because I was receiving that before and I might be in a position where I'm receiving it again, you know, like, but it's like, we're all in this together. Right. And that's yeah. not, I don't think that's being naive at all. I think that's just, you know, we are, we are leaning on each other, you know? Well, and we have a choice in how we experience it. Right. So if, if what your choice is, is about walling yourself off for protection from what might happen, then the experience you get is this isolated, um, limited universe. But when you recognize the principle of what you're talking about, then you live in a community, you live in a world where, all things are possible together. I was I was telling you earlier today. Um, my neighbor is like MAGA hat, um, old dude running rah, 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 grumbling over there. Um, I've got my Black Lives Matter and spread love signs on the tree in front of my house, and all the uh, country folk drive by. Like you know what I mean? It's like, but my neighbor and I. Like we're checking on each other. Uh, like they, they're growing food, I'm growing food. Hey, do you want some of this? Like, you know, passing stuff over the fence. Hey, I made some bread. Do you want some of my homemade sourdough bread? Totally. My wife made masks for COVID. Do you want some? Totally. Like, like the, we have this community. Like, hey, do you need my lawnmower? Like, come get it, you know, whenever you want. Like, you know, borrow the lawnmower, work on this. Like, you know, oh, I need help with this. Get over here and help me. Like, cool, you know, like young, young guy, I'm gonna help you out with like carrying something or loading something. It's like. And that's, that's transcending like, oh, I can't because you're wearing the MAGA hat, dude. Just can't, sorry. And like, yeah. but, but we can still love each other and be like, you know, he walks by in front of my house and grumbles at my son. Oh, oh yeah, nice son. You know, I was like, yeah, what's up? You know, like, but I just, I don't know. That's, I think that's part of the paying it forward and community and like the bigger picture. Like, let's be bigger um, and not, I'm not going to be moved or swayed by the divide because we can be bigger than that so well man that's sort of strange about the fact that he's who he's in his character he contains the invitation for your expansion and you meet it with your willingness right and your openness to expand to meet him and that suddenly america is great again yeah weird right yeah, well, it's available as long as we're willing to break out of the duality and the kind of finite nature of our thinking. 
Yeah, it's tricky sometimes though, I know it. Oh yeah, oh yeah, totally. But, like I still love you even though you like Steely Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> I know how much you love Fleetwood Mac, it's okay, it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's get real. All right. <laughs> the thing that you need to love me for is that Nickelback song. Which which one? That first hit where like the photograph? she's down she's on down on her knees or whatever. I don't I'm embarrassed like I love them all like I work with them but like I don't know the music I know the photograph. The photograph like, you know that one? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But and and the same thing like let's just go back another generation. I used to get so much crap from my friends about being a Bon Jovi fan. Right? Like yeah. you gave love a bad name. Right. Yeah. And um, I still like when I hear it was just the John Bon Jovi single. Um, God, I can't remember the name of it. Shot down in a blaze of glory. Okay. Blaze of glory, man. Every time I hear that, I get chills. Yeah. That was for the Young Guns soundtrack. Remember that? Right. Movie? I'm going down in a blaze of glory. I love that shit. That's awesome. Guilty pleasures, man. Own it. Oh, yeah. I don't have any guilt about it at all. <laughs> I mean, you, you know how diverse my musical tastes are. I'm like, you know, metal shows, um, you know, jam bands, jazz world. Like, it's, it's kind of a mess, but I love a good pop song. And it's just funny. My kids well, it's funny I was, me, but... Yeah, I was interviewing and go. You're interviewing. (laughs) I was interviewing a possible client, and I had this metaphor because he's working on taking his life somewhere other than his job, which is really good. He likes his job; it's supporting him. But he has this vague sense of it not being purposeful for him, and he wants to shift that and do something else. And I said, "Well, what have you done differently during COVID?" He says, "Well, I bought a drum kit." I'm like, "Oh, cool." And he's like, "I'm not very good yet." I'm like, "Yeah, but you're playing, right?" And like. Maybe one day you could like go with your band on tour with Weezer. And he's like, um, how about Slipknot instead? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely more drum friendly band. Um, that's cool. That's funny. Well, dude, this has been great. I got to teach a ukulele lesson in three minutes. All right, go get it. Thank you for your um, time, Tim. You're a beautiful soul, my friend. You remind me of the glory and beauty of this world. And I'm so grateful for your presence in my life. You too. Let's music soon. Okay. Deal. All right. All right, Bye. Thanks for listening to Tales from the Universe. To contact us, please go to markwentcoaching.com. M-A-R-C-W-E-N-D-T coaching.com.